Elliot, you know, some really sad news today. Uh, we learned that uh, Stan Lee died at the age of 95, and Douglas Rain, the actor who played uh, the voice of HAL 9000, he died at the age of 90. You know, these things always seem to come in threes. I, I, I wonder who's next. All I know is that Abe Vigoda is still hanging on. Really? Uh, Elliot, I think Abe Vigoda died in 2016. Are you sure? Uh, oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, a lot happened in 2016. I guess that news was overshadowed. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like... Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? Geek Counter Geek number 128. I'm Keith Conrad, joined as always by Elliot Serrano. Follow the show on uh, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash geekcountergeek, facebook.com slash geekcountergeek. And uh, Elliot, you know... Certainly really sad news with uh, the the passing of Stan Lee, but uh, not necessarily unexpected because, you know, the guy guy was 95. He had uh, one heck of a long, full life. He did. Um, I I was very fortunate to meet him a few years ago at C2E2. Um, It was funny that um, as the C2E2 show was really uh, picking up steam, he was one of their big guests. And I remember um, this was when I was still a freelancer for Red Eye. The um, PR folks from C2E2 reached out to me and they went, (laughs) I'll never forget the, the PR person goes, so would you be, he goes, would you be interested in, um, moderating Stan Lee's panel and if not could you tell me someone who would <laughs> wow <clears throat> and I'm like uh hello <laughs> I, I I I I replied yes to that one really quick and so I had the opportunity of meeting Stan Lee and be on stage with him at C2E2 and um I'll get more into the recollections all I know is that yeah he was you know, in 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 up in age, and you know he never showed it um, in public. But was, you know, as you would expect, a man of his age, he was a, a, a tad frail. And um, I remember when um, we're, I was getting my instructions, you know, backstage and speaking with him, he kept saying, "Elliot, um, I don't hear very well, so I might need you to like if if a if a guest asks a question, I might need you to repeat it, and I'd have to like say it like kind of like right into his ear." So it was um, me sitting on stage with Stanley, and it was like I was like sitting with my. It felt like I was sitting with my grandpa, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> he was so kind and warm. He like he he would like put his hand on my shoulders he was talking like i was like a relative or something so Uh, but um after all that i was like wow i don't know um i don't know how long we're gonna have stan lee because he does seem like it's as um as um the doctor would say uh you know doctor who would say i was wearing a bit thin 
And, um, you know, I guess if I get 95 years and uh, get to have everyone love me and admire me uh, till the very end, um, you know, I won't complain. Still in good enough shape to, uh, you know, show up in movies, obviously, every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was I was talking to somebody about this, you know, maybe uh, a year or two ago. Uh, and maybe even I've I've mentioned it on the uh, on the podcast that I, I I'm the sort of person where I like just I, I I tend to think about like weird practical things, and so even like a year or two ago I was thinking, well you know Stanley's in his nineties and he's not going to be with us forever, so I wonder if like they've already filmed a bunch of cameos for him in later uh, Marvel movies. <laughs> you know, like like uh, uh, the SNL bit where they were filming, uh, you know, Tom Brokaw talking about uh, Jerry Ford being eaten by wolves and things like that. They just, you know, filmed a bunch of like generic things that they could put into uh, movies later on. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you probably um, see Stanley make his last cameo in Avengers 4. Right. Yeah, because they they probably are, would have already filmed it for uh, for Captain Marvel. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, I mean that would probably be the last one, unless they have you know just a, a stockpile of things of other you know. ones. Yeah, but you know, but it would be like a poetic um, way to finish his cameos. You know, Avengers Four is like the, the the culminating chapter of ten years of Marvel films, and and then you know, and then starting a new one. So that that would be a, a nice poetic way to end it. It makes me think about how um <clears throat> Charles Schultz passed away um the the night that his last peanuts strip um debuted in the on, in the, the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's just like a, a really just like when you're you're the purpose for your being finally draws to an end. So do you. Uh, and, and then, you know, since it's Disney, I have a feeling that what's going to happen is we'll have CGI Leia showing up in all the Marvel movies and CGI uh, uh, Stan Lee showing up in Star Wars. So that way they can say, <laughs> well, you know, we told you we weren't going to do it in Star Wars. No, no, no. It's a, it's 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 funny too because you know there'll probably be little bits and homages to him later on. Like you might see like a someone will have a Stanley bobble. Oh like yeah, on, yeah. On on their desk or or they'll they'll show him on a television set in the background. I mean, there there are ways you can figure out how to get him in a cameo and also have it seem you know be respectful. Yeah. As opposed to. By the way, uh, not not to get uh, sidetracked or anything, but I don't know if you've seen the first few episodes of uh, Star Wars Resistance yet. Um, but uh, uh, Leia actually shows up in in at least the first episode. That's the only one I've seen so far. But she doesn't say anything, so it was sort of like a clever uh, clever way of working her in there. Yeah. Well, um, I think that had a little bit more to do with the problem that the woman who um, was voicing Leia for Star Wars Resistance um, kind of got in trouble on social media and she got fired from the show because she was making fun of um, the woman who was testifying against Kavanaugh. <clears throat> um, oh, she got fired for that? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Because, yeah, they, they kind of made a lot of people angry. And because uh, you see, I mean, I, I, did we talk about this in a previous episode? Uh, not um, that particular instance. No. Um, you know, I, 
Um, you know, I, I for for those who who weren't paying attention, basically, you know, she's a voice actor and she she does impressions and, um, you know, she just did an impression of uh, of of Ford, the the person who testified against Kavanaugh. And, you know, I mean, you can see how some people would take that the wrong way. I I take her at her word that she didn't, uh, you know, she didn't mean it as anything. It's just she hears voices and, and you know, like tries to, to imitate them because that's what she does for a living. Um, you know, yeah, uh, she was she was just commenting on how an adult woman could have such a, uh, a girlish voice. And I think there's a term for that. I forgot what the term is for. When you know, when you just have, so it sounds like you know your your voice never deepened with yeah. with adulthood. And, and I think that I think that's just a matter of um, you know there, there were a lot of people who just weren't in a joking mood that week. Oh no, no, no! They're still not in a joking mood. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say you can you can say maybe just that week or you know ever at this point now. But at this point, you know, I I, did, I I'm surprised that she got fired for that because uh, you know to me you can argue over whether or not it was a, it was a good idea to to do that. But I I take her totally at her word that it was just hey I heard this interesting voice on TV and I I you know kind of wanted to try to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I know they also um, and I could be speaking out of turn because I know I saw some um, stills of the cast and she was when they were doing the promo stuff for Resistance and she was oddly missing from photos so maybe you know who knows maybe they're just waiting for it to die down yeah it's disney though disney reacts to everything these days that's true so um uh you know the the uh the uh, the, the whole guardians of the galaxy thing kind of uh you know is a good example of that so mm-hmm. so you know it, it's it's we, we live in interesting times right now, and I know we've talked about this before, but you know, we're, for many of us, um, we're, we're, it's, we're learning to let go of, or we're losing the people that kind of like shaped our childhoods. Um, in the case of Stan Lee, I mean, you, you, you do have to um, concede he kind of really helped shape pop culture. I'm a tremendous part of pop culture. Um, I would say um, Spider-Man. I mean, you know, you talk about Spider-Man being one of the most recognized characters Mm -hmm. in the world. They say that Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Mickey Mouse and, and Mickey Mouse, two of the most recognized trademark characters in the world. I think for DC, for the longest time, they said it was um, Superman, or actually the Superman symbol. But I'm pretty sure the Batman uh, symbol has kind of taken over for Superman. Uh, Especially these days, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're in a time where, I mean, I, I... when did uh, Walt Disney pass away? 61, um, I think. That was in 61, right. So he passed away before I was born. 
And I, you know, I never was able to say I lived in the time of Disney when Disney was working. I mean, I remember watching um, the old syndicated uh, uh, World of Disney when he, they had he had his little intros for different things. Mm-hmm. You know, but by but by then he'd already passed. Yeah. By, um, by the way, in the in the interest of us being as accurate as possible, uh, it was actually sixty six for Walt Disney. Okay, so that 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 makes sense. Cause still before you were born, but yeah. still before I was born, yes. But I mean, uh, I would I do remember seeing um, the the films, you know, that he did intros for, um, you know, and and so I never could say I lived in, during the time when Walt Disney, you know, was, you know, in our lives, you know, a living person doing what he did. But I mean, I had Stan Lee, you know, for, you know, all my life. Um, I've got George Lucas right now. You know, I think a lot of times people, you know, you have to put George Lucas up there with with someone like Walt Disney and and Stan Lee. Um, You know, I'm trying to think about, well, Gene Roddenberry, you know, we lost Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, he would have been up there. Yeah. So these are times but, when, you know, when you look at uh, somebody like Gene Roddenberry and even, I mean, you know, to a certain extent, um, you know, George Lucas, they were, you know, people that were, were making movies under like somebody else's tent. Uh, whereas, you know, Stan Lee he sort of like created his own. So, yeah, so well, I, I think it almost put him in a, in a different league with somebody like Walt Disney, but maybe even a little bit, um, <clears throat> a little bit little bit bigger impact than somebody like George Lucas. Well, Stanley, I mean, I would say Stanley managed to capture the lightning in a bottle when it came to comics. Um, for those who aren't familiar, I mean, you know, we, we, you, you can't really understate the, the impact that he had on the comic book industry and then ultimately how that would later affect cinema because I think more people now know uh, Marvel Comics characters for the movies and the television shows than for the actual comics. You know, right? I mean, there's no way um, the comic books do anywhere near the business that the movies do because if if they did, you know, the comic books would be selling in the millions. But the truth is, a top selling comic book um, sells maybe 40,000 copies, fifty thousand copies in the beginning, and then it drops off. Um, long gone are the days when, like, a copy of X Men number one would sell a million copies. Um, so, it's most of the folks when they say, "Oh yeah, I remember reading the comic books." They probably hadn't read a comic in a really long time, and they just know these characters for the movies. But still, you give you give Stanley credit that <clears throat> for you know again for those who aren't familiar, he was a guy he was working for a a comic book company that before the superheroes came along, they were doing romance comics they were doing war comics they were doing you know the private detective thingies you know really the more the more popular uh-huh. comics were the were the romance comics you know millie the model and <clears throat> young romance all those things that's what what was happening and stanley um as the story goes he was so tired of doing it uh, i guess he told his wife he goes i'm gonna quit i'm not gonna write comic books anymore and, you know, because I don't like the way we're doing it. I don't like how we're doing it. And his wife said, well, if you hate it so much, why don't you write a comic 
the way you would want it to be, you know, write comics that you would love to read. And if they fire you, then great, because you're going to quit anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, a good, when, that's a good way to approach right. it. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's what he said. Fine. And that's when he created the Fantastic Four and he created Spider-Man to to um, uh, they, which, you know, we look at superheroes now and we think, oh, that's the way they've always been. Uh, actually, no. Um, uh, with uh, DC Comics, when they had the Justice Society and Superman and Batman, you know, the, the heroes always got along. They were friends. There was no real conflict between them. Um, they, they, the, the, the stories were very simplistic for the most part. Um, you know, it was a very idealized, glorified, happy, happy, fun, fun world, for, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Uh, when um, Stanley writes the Fantastic Four, what, what's what's the impetus for uh, Reed Richards to want to get his um, get his um, ship into space? You know, uh, why? Well, it's in the middle. This is in 1962. This is when Kennedy is saying we need to go to the moon, and and um, he they want to beat the commies into space. They literally say that in one of the, in one of the uh, in one of the f- early panels of the comic, and rightfully so. And, yeah, we we got to beat the commies in the space. And uh, when Ben Grimm, <laughs> when Ben Grimm says tells uh, Reed Richards, "I'm not flying that ship," you know that they're, they're cosmic rays up there. We don't know what will happen. Sue Storm, you know, uh, the who would later become the invisible girl, invisible girl, goes, "What are you a coward?" <laughs> pretty pretty much shames him, <laughs> you know. And Ben Grimm, offended that a woman would call him a coward, says, "Oh, I'll do it." Da da da. So it's not like they weren't doing this because of some noble quest for knowledge or I mean, maybe that was part of it. But part of it was, you know, what was reflected at the time, patriotism. We got to beat the commies, you know, we got to be the first and so on. And there is, you know. There's a lot of sexism in the early, you know, uh, Marvel stuff. Um, When um, when Stanley creates Thor. Um, Don uh, uh, Jane Foster, who is Don Blake's nurse, um, just really just wants to marry Don Blake. That's all she's thinking about is getting married. You know, <laughs> well, and, uh, pretty different from uh, from from Jane in the movie, right? Yeah. And then and then and then when Spider Man comes along, um, you know, Peter Parker's a nerd. He's an outcast. He's like that dweeby kid who's not very popular you know um this is he brought high school drama to comics with superheroes and and it and the thing was he brought that sort of angst that had been lacking in comics um up to that point and it was huge of course then the fantastic four becomes this huge seller spider-man you know um it just it, it it's it's a ama- uh, spider-man would not appear in his own book he would first appear in a book called amazing fantasy and then after the popularity of the um, spider-man character they give spider they give spider-man his own comic book and then of course the rest is history <clears throat> you can't uh, the thing that also note too for all the um, and for all the credit Stanley deserves that he got and that he, he deserves, he did have some incredible artists working with him on those books that maybe um, if he had a different artist, you know, the books don't go over as well. I mean, he had Jack Kirby working with him on Fantastic Four and Steve Ditko on Spider-Man. 
And these are two uh, of the legends um, in comic book illustration. So, you know, Stanley kind of like lit that fire and these artists went in and kind of like did so many things with these characters that just, again, reshaped um, imaginations and literally um, gave birth to a whole new universe. Well, how much of the Marvel universe is you know, Stan Lee and how much of it was, you know, kind of at, at the very least a group effort or, or other people uh, bringing their ideas. Well, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of folks argue that, um, um, just like a lot of folks will say, Bob, you know, Bob Kane gets credit for, um, creating Batman. Yeah. And yet there were, there were so many people who were involved in the Batman character as it went and all the things that they created, you know, people feel very slighted that they don't get the credit like Dick Sprang yeah. and, and, and others. Well, I, I mean, it's, um, it's very similar to what we experience when everybody's wondering who's coming up with these brilliant cold opens every week. It, 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 exactly the same thing. Exactly the same yeah. thing. Um, let's just say it's an AI that writes it for us. <laughs> it, it is, yes. <laughs> we subject, we had an AI watch 122 episodes of Geek Counter Geek, and this is the cold open it came up with. So, <clears throat> but, um, but to the issue of like really who you would credit, I mean, of course, uh, I mean, Stanley, uh, for those who, um, uh, another th interesting tidbit about the process that um, um, went into creating a Marvel comic book. So consider this. Um, after the creation of, of Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, and then, of course, the X-Men. X-Men would be another comic book that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby would create together. Um, they would then create the Avengers. They would create the Incredible Hulk, Right. So you're, you're starting to see a lot of, um, um, you know, a uh, 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 lot of really incredible concepts just bursting out onto the scene and people are just eating it up, eating it up. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where and, and Stan Lee was in the beginning, they were like writing everything. So he couldn't his thing was he couldn't keep up with the scripts. So what he would do is he would sit down and he would write a, um, a like say a, say a comic book at 22 pages. He would just sit down and write what happened on each page. And then he'd give it to the artist. And the artist would sit down and draw the pages. And then they'd get, he'd get the pages back to Stan Lee. And Stan Lee would then fill in the dialogue. And that's what you would later call um, um, the... Um, Marvel style, mm -hmm. Marvel style. Because so when you write a quote unquote Marvel style, a script for Marvel, um, you just, you know, you have to say what happens in each panel and then write in the dialogue. But, you know, for the sake of economy, um, Stan Lee just said, this is what happens on each page. He let the artists kind of like fill out, figure out the number of panels and the layouts and the storytelling. And then he would put in the dialogue afterwards. So you have to give um, Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby a lot of credit for what the, how the comic books looked and the dynamism of them. And for, because let's face it, it doesn't matter how good a writer is. If you open the book and the art looks like crap, you're not going to want to read it. So, right, yeah. you know, 
so they played a huge they played a tremendous part in that um so i think you know um while again stan might have given the spark you, you look at um the uh, the the thor movies and that um the um what's called the bifrost the the bridge you know the the rainbow the the beam of rainbow light that the asgardians use to travel from earth to asgard right which, which by the way when you describe it in any way sounds like the dumbest thing that's ever been been said <laughs> but in the movie it kind of it works Exactly, it is. You and but and if you read the early Thor comic books, I mean, it's literally a rainbow bridge. It's a Jack Lee, uh, Jack Lee, uh, Jack Kirby drew a bridge that the Asgardians walked on. It was literally a rainbow that you could walk on. And but for its time, it was like, wow, that is so cool. Now we use the term rainbow bridge all the time, like to refer to passing on to the next life, right? Right. You know. But, but, you know, but that was a concept that no one had ever seen before. And that's something they brought to the comics. Um, <clears throat> the, you know, Iceman, a man, a snowman, a man made of ice, you know, the, the, from X-Men, a Cyclops, a man who could blast beams from his eyes, you know, not cool like, like, like. Clark Kent's heat vision <laughs> yeah. because because it was actually a bad thing that, you know, that Scott Summers couldn't control it. So he couldn't really look at the world like everyone else, because if he like looked, if he took off his glasses, he would destroy what was ever in front of him. So all these ideas, all these incredible things, all these visuals. You know, Stan Lee came up with the idea and then these artists came up with a way of, of making them, um, you know, I would say three dimensional. But really it's two dimensional on paper, but three dimensional in our imaginations. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, again, not not quite uh, as big of a, a pop culture impact, but uh, Douglas Rain uh, dead at the age of, uh, of 90. And, um, I, you know, I think. You know, 2001 A Space Odyssey is really all you're going to know him from as far as, uh, you know, movies or TV go. But uh, he was uh, he was a Shakespearean actor in uh, in Canada and had a, a long and very successful career there. It's just uh, that's all he was ever going to be known for in the United States. You know, it's funny because we are kind of I don't know. When you think about who we, what we remember people for here, I remember Alec Guinness, you know, noted, you know, British actor. If you ever read um, his memoirs, um, um, uh, I read one of his books as well, part of his memoirs. He goes, "My name escapes me," you know, <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, and he talks about how much he really detested how everyone knew him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I think for a time, I mean, I don't know, maybe, and that was just in his memoirs. Maybe at some point he just got to be okay with it. Who knows? Um, you know, just like, um, you know, I don't know if I remember for the longest time, Leonard Nimoy, um, got really annoyed with everyone calling well, him Spock. I, I think they were, they were pretty similar where it kind of, you know, ebbed and flowed over the years. You know, because right. I think you know Alec Guinness. He was he was around for for quite a while. Not you know, like I think maybe nineteen ninety nine. Let's see if I'm right. I was a little off on uh, on Walt Disney. 
2000. Okay, so I, I was pretty close on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, I, I don't think he was active for, for quite a while, uh, you know, towards the end, but but he was actually still with us until 2000. And yeah. uh, I, I think just over over the years, it probably kind of ebbed and flowed where, uh, you know, he was a little little more anxious to, to talk about that than others. Because for me, I mean, as big of a Star Wars fan as I am, I mean, I know Alec Guinness for Bridge in the River Kwai. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's the scene where right before the bridge blows up, you know, he's a British officer and he fixes his uniform because he has to look, you know. Because he has to be British. British before, boom. And and that will, all, to me, is like the, the the what I'll always remember him for. But you have all these folks that they will always know him for Star Wars, Obi Wan Kenobi. That will be his thing. Don't get me wrong; it's I'm not saying that's a it's necessarily a bad thing. He gives an he gives such a great performance as Obi Wan in um, A New Hope. I mean, he him uh, both him and Harrison Ford pretty much carry that movie, right? You know, um, and, and and having and when you think about it, when you have a scene with when you can see Harrison Ford and Alec Guinness doing a scene together, that's like two great generations of actors, you know, coming together on screen. Yeah, it really is. You know, you know Alec Guinness and, and, and Harrison Ford. I mean, how, how often are you going to say you're going to see that sort of thing? Um you know, so that's why we sit like, man, Mark Hamill has had led one hell of a life. You know, he got to act with, you know, Peter Cushing and 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 Alec Guinness and, and all these great, great actors, all these great legends of before. And, you know, you know, get 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 got a chance to, you know, just have them them touch his life. But so so I don't want to say that it's a bad thing that people, you know, remember Alec Guinness for Obi-Wan. But like, back to your point, it's a shame, though, if that's the only thing that they remember you for, especially when you have such a long and storied career. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, with with Douglas Rain, I think it's it's maybe a little more under understandable because, you know, he didn't have, a, you know, the the big resume of, of starring TV and, and movie roles the way that uh that the way that Alec Guinness did so um you know but hey I I think uh I think uh Hal 9000 was actually one of the one of the top uh 10 villains of all time you know according to the people who decide these things so I mean it's not a bad thing to be uh be remembered for especially if you don't have the long resume of tv and radio projects Hal wasn't a bad computer he was just programmed that way and uh, just to, you know, to make sure that we're all on the same page, Abe Vigoda, still dead. Still, still gone. Uh, but wait, um, Hal Linden? Do we still have Hal Linden? Is Barney Miller still with us? Uh, Hal, I'm not sure, but I don't think so. I think he's been gone for quite a while. Let's see, 2016. Oh, no, Hal Linden is still alive. Okay, so we'll... <laughs> <laughs> wow, we'll keep you we'll keep you up to date on that uh, moving forward. Because I know, like uh, most of that uh, Barney Miller cast is no longer with us. Yeah, uh, yeah, but a lot of them they've 
if we've passed on right now though i will say you know again we are very fortunate that i think um as i said this before and i'll say it again we need to learn to celebrate and appreciate these people in our lives while we still have them um you know we're, we're very fortunate we were very fortunate to have stan lee for as long as he we've had him um he led a good long life 95 it's unfortunate that it was uh, complications from a stroke but again you know he 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 was able to be around to the very end knowing that people loved him and adored him and and seeing a whole lot of great things making a tremendous impact in 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 the industry and in people's lives so yeah just remember these folks keep them you know when you have them around um celebrate them so please people for the love of the baby greedo Get off George Lucas's back. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Abatron.